Yes. You guys, you just texted me, Matteo. I texted both of you. I texted the uh, Honest Bike Program conversation that I have yes. in my phone slash computer. I got a. You did. <laughs> I got a re. It was like Matteo renamed this conversation. I was like, wow, nice. wow, you have authority over my conversation names because it changed. Shit, I didn't know that. that publicly. Nope, showed up. Showed up to me. Did I ever tell you guys about the 16-year-old on my cycling team? Uh, no. She renamed everything. Every So we have like 15 people on our team, and you know we have like a Facebook group chat, and she renamed everybody to be like a portmanteau of a Pokemon name with their actual name. Yes, I like it. <laughs> Sounds like uh, this is a team that, uh, or, or someone who should be on Francis's team in life. <laughs> yep, exactly. The rest, the rest of us... We're like, I didn't even know you could rename people. I don't know what these are. <laughs> Kids. She's, she's just like, shut up. You're mad at you now. Uh, yeah. I, oh. <laughs> oh, that's really cute. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I didn't know you could do that either. <laughs> but now I know that. My yeah. life is irrevocably changed for the better? Right. Question mark? Uh, uh, so we're already rolling. Don't worry, we'll all do nice. the intro. <laughs> but Wait, I, we are? What? I, well, well, we can start recording for real as well. Um, but okay. I, I'm, what I did for the last one and what I'm going to do again is, uh, because it's easier, <laughs> is just um, use my call recorder files. So that, I'm going to get QuickTime going. QuickTime playing. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, because that way I kind of slap them in there, I trim them to the right length, and I'm like, boom, ready, here's an episode. Oh, and then I put, like, La Marseillaise on there because it's Tour de France. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you Is know. that how you pronounce that song? Ah, uh, French, man. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's something if they like don't that. know how to spell it, I don't have to learn how to pronounce it. Something, something French. Yeah, all I know is that it's very... Um, it's it's quite dramatic, you know. like I don't remember. I don't. And they words. and they don't like this, but I'm all La Marseillaise. What is that like? A kind of dipping sauce? <laughs> That's Hollandaise. <laughs> this is a variant, you know. It's a little bit uh, garlickier and has a you know. Hollandaise isn't a dipping sauce. I should say That's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. I feel like I feel like if you're like got some honey, like some Hollandaise in a tub, and you're like, what's this, honey mustard? <laughs> Get <laughs> my meek nougats and my Hollandaise mustard. A friend of mine, was, a friend of mine, was traveling with his family, like in Europe, and at some point they're they're out to dinner or something, and his dad goes, "Oh, can you pass that little bowl of mashed potatoes?" <laughs> and they they look on the table and they're like, "What?" And he says, "That bowl of mashed potatoes. It was really delicious. I already ate mine. Pass me that bowl of mashed potatoes." And they look at him and they're like, okay, but these aren't mashed potatoes. This is a bowl of lard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> but monsieur, uh, these are not, uh, how you say, potatoes. <laughs> it is a uh, amon poor fats. Monsieur, like that. that is not mashed potatoes. That is a bowl of my used ear plugs. <laughs> <laughs> the French are just be- make everything delicious. Uh, all right, well, we should record. I guess I'll get make you guys record. Uh, so, right. are you are you ready? Ready. All right. Yep, ready. Three, two, one, go. All right, we're going. All that's. I'm hoping maybe I'll just leave leave that in. You know, I don't know. Just just a little treat. Um, anyway. As, as listeners yeah, can tell. Treat. Sorry, what? It was a good treat. You should leave it in. Yeah, you should leave it in. Well, as, as listeners can tell from the fading strains of La Marseillaise in the background of this podcast, this is once more the working man's... Oh, damn it. Just, just the honest bicycle program. There are no, no working men involved. 
or you know. No, there's uh, no work is being done ever. <laughs> that's true. No work. But yes, we don't work, 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 work. But we are honest. Cause it's only it is... okay when Obama does that now. <laughs> yeah. So, but but it is the honest bicycle program. So we will tell the truth, and it is. Uh, you know, because the the alternative theme tune means, hey, it's still July. There's still a Tour de France going on, uh, and that's pretty good news. I'm Greg. I'm talking to you from Boston. And I'm Francis. I am sweltering at you from West Hampton. And this is Matteo, keeping it cool in Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Mm. I assume you have an air <laughs> conditioner going. I do not. No, no we just had a storm roll through, cooled it down a little bit. Yeah, did, didn't. I am in a very, the only room in my house that is appropriate for recording at this time is fucking stifling. Yeah, we, I did have the window fan blowing cooler air in, but it's still pretty toasty in here. It's, I hope it's a sultry swelter, Francis. I, I, <laughs> sultry, another word for heat. Um. <laughs> it's more like Violet. the dirty old man surrounded by like a bunch of half-eaten sandwiches and like the fan broke and the electricity got shorted out sort of sultry yes <laughs> that's a really disgusting image well <laughs> <laughs> give me one of those sandwiches over there that one looks kind of not week old yeah covered in mayonnaise that one <laughs> this egg salad i remember i made it only three days ago uh, it's been in the closet, which is a little cooler than the rest of the house, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I flavor it with Marseillaise sauce. <laughs> mm, egg salad with Marseillaise. Delicious. I'm, gonna, I'm going to flog this joke until we get irritable irritable emails from French people. <laughs> I've, been, I've been getting those for weeks now, haven't you? <laughs> no? 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 Hey, you know, alright. Anyway. Before we get rolling into, we have things to talk about. Uh, this is just a bunch of nonsense that we're uh, <laughs> doing right now. But we have actual things to discuss. It's about par for the course. Yeah, well, that's true. Very normal. But we're, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Tour de France. Uh, no way we can cover everything that's happened in this ridiculous Tour de France. But we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about, uh, I think, Olympic Games, Rio kind of stuff as well. So, so we'll do that. Uh, but before we get started... Uh, I want to say, hey, we're coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium Network. This is a fine network of fine cycling-associated podcasts. You can go to WideAnglePodium.com to learn more and to become a member. That's right. You can support us and our ridiculous, uh, I don't know, mayonnaise, condiment, French cooking jokes... Uh, <laughs> and the strange, <laughs> the strange images that Francis conjures of uh you know dirty old men in greasy like white a-frame shirts uh, for a second there i also <laughs> thought you were gonna say mayonnaise condoms and i was gonna applaud you <laughs> well yes you would applaud that uh but alas i i can only receive your um contempt because i'm not going there but uh anyway uh yeah go over there um become a member you know um we're gonna keep uh doing this for free but um you know, support helps. It makes us feel good. Uh, helps us pay the bills. Um, helps us, uh, I don't know, buy, like, food cheap. It helps, it, helps us, it helps us bring you fine audio data directly to your earphones. Oh, let's say content. 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 That's what it's, it's content. It's Ugh, sort of like... I hate that word. <laughs> it's it's a little bit like uh yeah, it makes me think of like it's like the styrofoam packing peanuts kind of, <laughs> of like <laughs> of the like. styrofoam packing peanuts of the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Content. You know, it's like you can eat those packing peanuts and um you know, you'll you'll fill up, but a lot less nutritional value than conventional <laughs> and peanuts. And you will regret everything later. Well, yes, if you're Francis who is deathly allergic to peanuts. Uh so even styrofoam peanuts packing peanuts i was actually referring to the horror you would have to experience trying to get those packing <laughs> peanuts out of your body but i am also allergic to real peanuts you're pretty much screwed either way peanuts. yeah you're screwed either way if you eat a lot of packing peanuts well i, I was saying you're screwed either way because you can't eat any of the kinds of peanuts no 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 I, I would be totally screwed I recommend against that um, anyway, <laughs> so I, I wanted to bring that up partly because, um, 
you know, uh, we would we would appreciate your support. WideAnglePodium.com. There are also other fine shows out there that you should listen to. Uh, Crosshairs Radio, uh, which is fantastic and is going to get rolling again because cross season is approaching. Also, I have to mention the Slow Ride Podcast because I was just brutally, brutally called out on that same program by our what? Spencer. Uh, well, see here, I. Uh, as as you might have noticed, we're we're not this year running a Tour de France Battle Games uh, league mm. competition. Um, we're pretty busy, and and it, we couldn't muster the will to do the completely minimal amount of work <laughs> required even to do that much. Uh, but they're running a league, uh, and I decided I would I would represent. I decided I would enter on behalf of the Honest Bicycle Program. And I have to confess, I may have committed. I may have committed the sin of pride uh, <laughs> in naming my team, uh, and I named it honestly, because I have to have that reference, right? Honestly, the best wide-angle podium-associated team. Uh, and so, of course... Which, I, I appreciate you coming correct Yeah, on behalf of the Honest Bicycle Program. I do think it is the team with the most panache, um, but anyway... Uh, Does it win, like, the most aggressive rider? Oh, yeah. Yeah, red numbers galore. But it is, as as noted by Spencer, uh, trailing all three of the hosts of that program uh, in the standings of <laughs> their own teams. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit embarrassing. But, who'd, you, uh, who'd, you, who'd you put your... Let's, I mean, let's talk tour here. Like, who'd you put your, your hopes and dreams and Velo Games points on? Okay, I... I well, uh, let me see if I can pull that up. Um... All right, I don't have it open right now, and I don't know if I can find it off the top of my head. But uh, actually, I bet it's on my phone. But I can tell you right off the bat that I mm-hmm. had um, Chibo Pino. Uh, that didn't pan oh out God. very well. No. Yeah, that was yeah. that was not great. Uh, here, yeah, here's my list. Hang on, I gotta let it reload again. Yeah, so Chibo Pino right off the bat. Uh, that that was a real uh, that was a dud pick. Unfortunately, I like that guy, but but man, uh, had had Adam Yates. Uh, that was actually pretty that's, solid. That's pretty good. Pretty good. That's a good pick. He was probably kind of kind of affordable. Um, ten points. Yeah. So he's he's pretty much one of the powerhouses on my team. And mm-hmm. Nyron Quintana. Uh, we'll talk about this. He's you know, a little bit disappointing. Um, this is yeah. But so far, this is you know reasonable, right? Like it makes sense. Nyron Quintana. I Dan Martin also a good pick. He's he's falling down a little bit, um, but he's doing well. Michael Matthews again. Um, you know. Started out, I was regretting that, but uh, he really turned it around for me, so I'm really feeling pretty good about it. Um, uh, but then, then it gets pretty bad because uh, I have Tony Galpan. Mm. He's been he's been a no show. He's been anonymous. I have this one is extra embarrassing. I I thought I would pick one of those kind of uh, worker bee dudes um, who are cheap. Uh, in terms of Velo games, and you always have to gamble on a couple of those. Yeah, guys. Get, right. Like, who's going to be like the kind of no-name domestique guy who goes and crushes it, and yeah. like wins the stage or plays as well or something? I, I said, you know what? I really like Gregory Rast. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> he's got <laughs> he's got a good name. He's a strong guy. You know, maybe he'll get uh, a, a leash uh, to do something. Uh, no. <laughs> I think he's been pulling on the flats for Balcomalma or something. Uh, and I also picked, as would have been a very smart pick in previous years, Fabian Conchalara. Um, oh, yeah. He's always no. a good pick. Yeah, not this year. He's, no, that's true. Yeah. No. The, the strategy with Velo well, I have one more. Like... I have one more, and that has okay, been okay, uh, yeah. which was I, I have Rafa Micah. So good for me. Uh, but probably. I've got a lot of duds. That's, that's the problem. I, I've got some good names, and then I've got, like, some ones who have been mediocre. But then, you know, the problem is, like, anyone who picked Cavendish or whatever is, like, cleaning up and, like, laughing. Or, like, Sagan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, well. It's, I, think, I think the trick with Velo Games is gambling on, like, long shots. You know, it's, it's easy to pick Froome and Cavendish and be like, oh, I can't. Yep, uh, of course I won, or or I can't believe I didn't won because Kevin just crashed out on stage one, you know, like a couple years ago. Yeah. Easy to do that, but it's hard to be like, oh, like I picked the guy who got like seventeenth place last year and got, got second this year and like held the yellow jersey for that whole second week, you know, like all this stuff, or like saying that like, oh, you know, you you thought it was going to be all Sagan and Cavendish, but it was Greipel who won the green jersey. He didn't, this year, you know, but. <laughs> no. Sometimes, no, sometimes you go for things that are a little bit, a little bit more of long shots, and that's a much more interesting way to play Velo games. Less well, successful. You want a money ball. That's you, what you but want. when you do win, 
more impressive. Yeah, you, you want that money ball approach. You want the underappreciated you players. You always got money those balls. Hmm. 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 Uh, all right, so you two, how do you like how the tour is going down so far? Well, Francis, why don't you start? Um, well, I mean, it's definitely been pretty exciting. I mean, there's been a lot of crazy stuff that's happened in the tour that has never happened before, like Chris Froome <laughs> running up a hill. Chris Froome um, racing a bike. I just want to interject that. Racing the fuck also, yeah, out of his bike. He races, he races a good bicycle. Like, holy shit. He anyway, does race a good yeah, bicycle. Go on. Go on. <laughs> I mean, Chris Froome has done a lot of impressive things this tour, like the sitting on the top tube, pedaling downhill to gain speed, marginal <laughs> gains thing. That was pretty insane and pretty cool. I hope no one tries that because they will kill themselves. Um, <laughs> that is I yeah, every junior. I just, we just sit down with every single junior in America and be like, stop. I can just see a bunch of idiots doing this on group rides and like swinging into the middle of the road in front of cars and just like, ah, marginal gains. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Um, but the, um, I forget which stage it was, but the one where he was in a breakaway with Sagan and their two teammates and was actually doing the work and racing his bike. And he didn't get very much that day. That was definitely more for Sagan than it was for Froome. But it was impressive to watch. Yeah, so, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of crazy stuff going down this tour that hasn't happened in other tours um, that have, has definitely kind of upped the, uh, upped the excitement, I think, for us viewers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to turn it around before I talk. I've, I've talked a lot already, so you get to talk. You get to talk now. So what do you think? Matteo. Oh, I wonder if he's... Yeah. Oh, there he no, is. No, I'm here. I'm, I, was, uh, I was choosing my words carefully. <laughs> we can't have dead air on a podcast. You've you got to pontificate more. I've got I've to figure out that whole like, NPR mumble thing. Yeah. Um, well, I, uh, in the coolness I, of time. I wish, and this is... So a grand tour, and especially the Tour de France, like, keeps you hoping that something is going to happen. You know, we had this huge alpine stage on Sunday... And, you know, we everyone was hoping that there were going to be some crazy fireworks, uh, you know, between Quintana and Froome, and it didn't happen. But, like, oh, there are a couple other chances for that to happen a little bit later on in the week. A Grand Tour keeps you hoping and waiting and waiting. And, like, yes, we've seen some pretty cool bike racing from Froome, but in general, like, there just hasn't been any general classification drama. And that's what I want. And there's been a lot of other, like, absolutely terrific racing. Um, uh, the, yeah, there's been some some fabulous racing. Dumoulin stage win, uh, Degan stage win, um, Sagan beating Kristoff with a bike throw, like, legitimately Kristoff oh, won if he threw his bike. Like, that was pretty terrific. That was I think, awesome. I think the sprinting has been really crazy. Like, sure, Cavendish has won four, and that's a surprise. But the <laughs> fact that there's been, like, such a... Like, I don't know how many, in field sprints, how many different people have gotten podium positions. It's a huge number. Um, it's, it's been a cool tour, but I'm still waiting for something to happen in the general classification. And so I'm, I'm just going to keep waiting. And then it's like, it's like if Grand Tours were like four weeks long, Nairo Quintana would win every single one of them. But You think, really? I mean, I don't know. He just always seems to get better, but just, like, not have enough time. You know, he always chooses, like, one stage at the end, two stages at the end to try and nibble back, like, 30 seconds, and it well, just doesn't really yeah, work. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's what's happening this year. Um, but but I, I guess we can get to that. Yeah, I, I can just pretty much emphasize what you guys have said again. Like, the racing has been really pretty good. Like, I've been pretty... It's been... I haven't watched every single stage, but I've watched... Um, I've watched all the finishes. Uh, and... Yeah, it's been, you know, right, we had a time trial the other day that was this news. Like, it's time trial. But for the most part, it's been pretty fun. It's been pretty exciting. The sprinting is fantastic. It's so good right now. Uh, those mm-hmm. stages are, like, yeah, you know, you only want to tune in for, like, the last 5K or something like that a lot of the time. Except for that stage where, as noted, Peter Zagan and <laughs> Chris Froome got away uh, in the last, like, 13 kilometers or something like that. Uh, which was bonkers. Um, but yeah, the sprinting's been so fun to watch. It's it's kind of weird because um, there's, you know, we're in this period of, there's been a lot of development of sprinting in the last few years. Uh, there are a lot of big name sprinters right now. There are a lot of 
trains dedicated to those sprinters. And so you think, well, obviously, that means that the finishes are just going to be super kind of scripted and boring and, like, a dominant team is going to take control um, and whatever. That'll be it. But instead, you've got, like, three different trains that are trying to take control or four different trains or five different trains, each trying to take over control in the last, you know, 5Ks, which is just crazy, trying to come over top of each other at the right moment and kind of burning themselves out. Uh, and then you've got all these guys who are pretty evenly matched with kind of slightly different um, emphases, uh, I suppose, in terms of their, their skills, specific skills. And then Cavendish, who doesn't really have much of a lead-out train, is just surfing them to victory. Like, it's he's 2007. Got, I mean, he's got some, like, pretty studly rollers. Rollers. Turns out I don't really know how to pronounce that word. Uh, rollers, yeah. But he doesn't Ro- have... He doesn't rollers, have... Rollers, not rollers. Uh, rollers. You're, you're uh, making this... You're overthinking yeah. this, Matteo. I mean, um, doesn't have, he doesn't have a huge... But, like, no one really has a huge successful train. Like, there are a lot of really medium-sized trains. I mean, I've, I've always been but, looking for Kittel. And, like, EQS, like, kind of comes charging up, like, at the red kite, not before. Like, he's, like... 30 wheels back before then, and then they just come flying up. Yeah, but I think that's because, I, I think that's because of the number of trains there are. It's like before there was, yeah. you know, there been, there's been maybe one dominant train or two, maybe. But right now, there are like four different teams with, you know, maybe five with sprinters who are taking it very, very seriously, and they're all fighting it out, and that is like totally changing the game. You know, it's like, it's it's not like Back in the day when it was pretty much HTC, Columbia, High Road, whatever, and they were kind of the only game in town in terms of having a really dedicated sprint train um, that was really top class. And it's like we've got, uh, you know, the best ones we've got like EQS and we've got, um, oh man, I'm just in outer space. Like Lot- Lotto is kind of a crappy train, but they're there. Uh, you know, oh, I, I, would, I would say they're probably they're the team that's doing like the biggest train. They're they're I think they're putting like the most riders in the train. They're like the sad lead out train that begins the train before <laughs> the actual sprint. Garmin two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the problem they have right now is that is that uh, Greipel is clearly not on form. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> he's they're they're probably not feeling great about that. But anyway, yeah, the sprinting's been really good, and I, I don't want to go down too far down the rabbit hole of sprint trains. But I just think that it's super competitive right now, and there's a ton of big name sprinters. But it's and it's been fun to watch, and it's been also pretty fun to see. Like, yes, okay, so Dimension Data doesn't like like does have some guys who are pull, and and they'll do sort of a train to keep the pace up like late in the race. But they don't have like, it, especially with Mark Renshaw out of it. You know, there's not like a last. 500 meter lead out guy um yeah so it's been fun to watch and it's been fun to watch like chris Froome racing the hell out of his bike which has been like what is going on i actually like this chris Froome. uh so yeah i don't know i've, I've enjoyed it actually i think it's been been pretty good despite the fact that uh to me the gc stuff is looking pretty sewn up to be honest it's pretty awesome that we actually have like an exciting bit of sprinting to watch at the end of most of the stages because i feel like in a lot of um in a lot of the the issue or issues um editions of the tour de france it turns into kind of like a gc letdown where it's like somebody is just smashing so decisively that's kind of like okay so Froome is taking off and soloing to victory that is not a surprise <laughs> whereas like the sprinting adds like that level of excitement and the fact that there's seems to be more energy and more enthusiasm and more craziness in it this year is is exciting yeah yeah and there's the, like and, and there's it and, and there's still new things that we're seeing in you know discovering in in these sprints too right like that uh british sprinter mckay who's on this like nothing team and has no lead out at all oh yeah yeah is, that that was the dude who like earlier this year had this sick win at the GP Denen where he like threaded a disgusting needle at like 50 <laughs> meters to go. Yeah, where he threaded like through eight different dudes at right angles somehow. Uh, <laughs> and it was like, oh, he can't go through that gap. Holy shit, he just went through that gap. I can't believe it. Uh, and he's he's had, um, did he get a, a top three at one point? Yeah, like, he, got, he got third. Man. 
He's been and like Brian Cocard got second and in some sprint and yeah, he's he's been pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So so for me, it's been fun to watch. Um, do you guys have any? I don't know. I, I feel like uh, I'm loath to talk about the Vontu craziness because I feel like we'll end up talking about that for 45 minutes. Probably. And I don't know. If... Do, do, do you guys want to just go around the go around the room and do, do like one sentence, one thought summaries of where we land on that on that thing? On yeah. That whole thing? And in case you've been living under a rock, like basically, Von Two got shortened because of uh, biblical winds on the top of Mount Bantu. <laughs> so they only went up through like the steep bottom part of the climb and they hadn't had the barriers there and the crowds were crazy and basically a leading trio had broken away on the climb. They were inside the last kilometer. It was Froome and Bagamalama and Richie Port and then a motorbike suddenly stopped and they crashed into the back of it and people broke their bikes and Chris Froome's bike broke and he was running up the mountain um, and all that lost some time and ultimately they decided to give this lead group the same time uh separation as they had at the time of the incident so like 20 something seconds so yeah that's the short summary anyway okay yes go go around uh yeah in whatever order you guys please oh sorry there was no way to make any decision that would have made everybody happy and so you just gotta pick one None of, like none of the possible actions were fair. Francis. Yep, that's fair. Um, uh, I think that they need to do something about the craziness of the crowds going up the end of those climbs. Uh, mm. Obviously, it was exacerbated because of the fact that the expected finish was pushed down, so the crowd filtered down and was even more dense than was probably anticipated. But they always are right on the cusp of being really dangerous for the fans and the riders. And something actually happened that was pretty bad this year at, at least not in terms of people being hurt, but in terms of, you know, GC and time gaps and shakeups and et cetera. And I think it's only a matter of time before more stuff like that happens. And I don't think the tour organizers really give a shit. <laughs> uh, my take is that, you know, with the sheer number of, um, crowd control and logistical and race filming experts that are clearly available on the internet for hire at any point um it's inexcusable that aso should ever have any problems in their event of any kind uh (laughs) but i mean seriously yeah i i mostly i i basically agree that there was no fair conclusion um and they did the thing that seemed the most not unfair but it's inherently unsatisfying. And also that, I mean, yeah, uh, crowd control is difficult and an issue, and it would have been nice to see them manage it better, And but I'm reluctant to suggest... Uh, I'm reluctant to say that, like, I don't know, uh, they suck or something because of the various extenuating, uh, exacerbating circumstances. I don't think they suck. I just think they don't really care. Yeah, I don't know about. I don't know if they don't care. I I I, I suspect they do care, but that it's they they care they care enough to make to make the the public happy. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird. It's what it's 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 just weird because like it's not like these are ticket holding fans that are making money for the organization for the promoter, you know. So it's like no, it's true. But I mean, like if you know, something actual, actually crazy happened and Chris Froome gets so hurt he can't continue to race by a fan in, you know, on Ven 2, that's going to be a huge dent in their money-making abilities on the tour. Well, that happened to, that happened to Eddie Merckx uh, back in the day. Got punched. Remember that? Yep. <laughs> Remember that yep. before we were born? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I watched it. Pre-birth. <laughs> I was the guy who punched him. Ah, uh, yes. Just kidding. I would never do that to you, Eddie. Not even. Not even like climbing into his time machine. Is he like, all right, I'm gonna kill Hitler? No, he's like, I'm gonna go punch Eddie Merckx <laughs> because he knows. He knows in Matteo's, uh, you know, in 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 Matteo's 
uh, uh, parallel universe. Eddie Merckx didn't get punished and went on to win the tour 19 times and then founded an empire that conquered the world. And it must be it's, stopped. You know, it's also very complicated. Like, if, I, if I'm born and I know that I go back and that I have already gone back in time and punched Eddie Merckx, then, like, I don't really have much of a choice. <laughs> right? It's it's the paradox. It's like, you have to punch him because you did punch him. And that's what happened in that's history. Happened. Yeah, there is no time. Time's arrow, time's cycle, man. There's no free will. There's no free will. <laughs> Alright, so let's let's wrap up the tour stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this little thread. <laughs> this time travel science fiction thread. But nonetheless, uh, any... I guess one sentence prediction about uh, how the tour turns out. Uh, Francis, go. Sagan is going to, on the next hilly stage, take 10 minutes on Froome and win the tour. And he's going to come rolling into the center of Paris with elephants behind him. Excellent use of semicolons to extend your extend your thoughts. Uh, all right, Matteo, go. <laughs> Quintana fans are disappointed. <laughs> Ho hum, Quintana. <laughs> All right, yeah. and my sentence is: Froome's got it locked up, but exciting racing still to come. That was very diplomatic. It was. It was boring, but but you guys, I, I didn't really want to compete with you guys. <laughs> I enjoyed. I enjoyed the elephants. Yeah. Well, so before we uh, before we transition fully away from the Tour de France, uh, we should probably mention that this episode is brought to you by Michelin Bicycle USA, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should. Thanks, Matty. You read, we should like indeed. You're reading my mind. Yes, I, indeed. I am on it. Um, yeah, Michelin, so... Michelin and their new line of power tires, all right, which which is out offering four models to cover the full spectrum of road riding, from high mileage training to maximum output racing. That's that's what they're that's what they've got, and they're good. I've heard terrific things. I've not yet used them. Um, I'm pleased that they're supporting the wide podium network. Uh, I am very intrigued by their power protection plus and their whole power line, which is just said to be very fast, excellent rolling resistance, excellent protection, long lasting tires. There's like a whole new crop of like really high quality tires kind of hitting the market that seems like actually some some new technology. And Michelin is yeah, definitely good, good things are happening. Major Michelin's player, absolutely at the forefront of it. I mean, look, Michelin in in um, the automotive sphere, you know, in, in that kind of racing, people pay people pay them to use their tires. That's how good Seriously? they are. Oh yeah, yeah. They don't they don't sponsor people because people pay them Damn. to use their tires. That's how good their tires are. Uh, so you know, keep that in mind. Uh, their power protection uh, plus is is ideal for riding on any road surface. That's going to be your um, you're, you're sort of fast but uh, tough training um, and even uh, r- racing tire if you want to do some, maybe not like full-on gravel, dirty Kansas stuff, but, you know, if you're going to hit some dirt roads now and then, it's going to be probably a good tire, you know, and and you'll be able to get rad and not get flats on sharp rocks like I did just yesterday in the Blue Hills, um, though you mm-hmm. probably are going to want more of a mountain tire for something like that. Uh, but yeah, we really appreciate their support for our show, for the entire Wide Angle Podium Network. You can, first of all, go into your local bike shop and ask about Michelin bicycle tires and tubes, because they make inner tubes too, and I'll tell you what, they're good inner tubes. And, you know, a lot of people might think, by the way, that inner tubes are just interchangeable, and they're all the same. Not ch- not Not true. Not true. Uh, there are definitely crappy tubes out there. So you can follow them on social media. They've got, uh, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, Michelin, at Michelin Bike USA. They're on Insta- Instagram, Michelin USA, and they're even on YouTube at Michelin Bike. So check them out. Go to your local bike shop. Um, give them some love because they're giving us some love and thanks to Michelin Bicycle USA. Yay, Michelin! Woo, Michelin! All right. I hope you all have your hands on your hearts for this playing of the French national anthem. Anyway, okay, this is something telling me about my Amazon order. Whatever. So let's move on to talking about Rio stuff. 
where's my emails so I can see because Maddie was like, hey, we should talk about this as well as that. And I was like, yeah, we should talk about this as well as that. Um, so there are a couple things as far as the Olympics go that are are worth talking about. First of all, I want to talk maybe the women's team stuff. I think that's the biggest stuff. So first of all, um, we've got the women's pursuit squad, which is the, the team pursuit squad. Team. Sorry, yes, yeah, sorry, the women's team pursuit squad team. team. <laughs> Grupo. Yes, uh, which is. Would you say they're the gold medal favorites, Manio, or are they just just a real contender? <laughs> I would say they're definitely medal favorites, and if they don't make the gold... So the way a team pursuit works is that all the teams uh, do a team pursuit, and the top four times, the top two ride for the gold medal, the top two, or in the other, the third and fourth ride for a bronze medal, sort of a ride off against each other. Um, they actually may have changed the tournament structure, but I don't think they have. I'm not sure. But don't quote me on that. Um, if they didn't make the gold medal round, I think it would be a pretty big surprise. Um, but, you know, they won the world championship. They, they came really close to setting uh, world record times. I think they set a track record in Manchester during the world championships uh, early this spring. So, like... They are, you know, and Fuego. They've got their super bikes that are designed by, you know, Felt and cooperation with Head and Stages and Vision, FSA, Something someone like else. That. Yeah. Uh, and USA Cycling, you know, put together this whole, like, network to design them a very special bike. Um, shades and, of, shades and, you know, of 96. Team, team, shades of 96. The team has been, like, you know, people have been trying to make this team for years. Um, and... You know, I know a few people who didn't make the team who are like, yeah, this is, like, this is the fastest team. So I don't know. I don't know if it's safe to say that they're a gold medal favorite because a lot of things can happen. Mm. Um, and despite the British cycling has been going through a lot of drama and fuss lately. Uh, yeah. But I think you can never count them out because they are full of really amazing athletes. Oh, but how is, Aust- is Australia... Um on the women's team pursuit pretty good yeah and uh yeah. so is canada and yeah stiff competition but it's it's really exciting <laughs> i gotta say to have uh a team this good and anchored by sarah hammer who has been plugging away for so long it's like sarah hammer who's like in her mid-30s uh hmm mario i think we dropped you because I'm not hearing anything. Yeah, Sarah Hammer, who is incredible. I'm just I'm just talking over because oh, there you are. You're back. Oh, weird. Wait, we're back. No, so you're saying Sarah Hammer? She's in her mid thirties. Just roll with it. It's and gonna be fine. The, yeah. So the team is the team is Sarah Hammer, who's in her mid thirties, and a bunch of like twenty year olds. <laughs> yeah. Just just you know, uncut diamonds, pure engines, kind of. Uh, kind of athletes yeah I don't, I don't know what else there is to say about that but I'm, I'm excited to see i'm excited to see usa cycling like actually throwing some weight behind this team and and really supporting them yeah you know with this in, yeah with this like consortium they... to get their bikes yeah yeah that's really exciting and not only that so like we've also got um Megan Garnier has a legit shot at winning this Olympic road race. On the yeah, she side. does. She's been crushing it. Yeah. So, so that's also super exciting, uh, and certainly is a is a real threat for a medal. But I think that also leads into um, there's been some drama around the Olympic selection for the USA and the women's team. Right. Yep, with uh, Carmen Small. Yeah, Carmen, specifically Carmen Small not making the team, right? So she is the national champion in the time trial. She beat Kristen Armstrong um, by a pretty healthy margin uh, in that time trial. And still, ultimately, uh, Kristen Armstrong got that slot. Uh, and, and Carmen Small appeared, uh, appealed... Uh, 
under arbitration uh, to, to protest that. Not necessarily specifically against Chris Armstrong. Who was the other um, rider who made the team? Uh, Evie Stevens. I mean, it was it was implied though. But... It was kind of implied, yeah. That it, yeah. I mean, and that and she was kind of the person, honestly, that when she kind of released a public statement, she, she sort of spoke about. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's some politics I mean, so she, there. I, I think, you know, Carmen Small, you know, she re- released a public statement and it was very, like, sort of honest and emotional and raw. But she also, I think, it seemed like she took pains to not uh, smack talk the, the the people who made the team when she didn't. You know, she just kind of said, like, I, I think, like, based on the selection criteria, I'm a better choice. I don't understand it. You know, yeah. I, I, think, I think she was diplomatic and cautious and fair about it. She was, yeah, and she she made you know some valid points, and I mean she didn't mention Kristen Armstrong by name, but you know she was kind of like, well, you know, Kristen hasn't competed outside of the U.S. in a long time, and hasn't you know hasn't really kept up with the accolades that you know brought her onto the Olympic teams in the past mm-hmm. um, in terms of international competition. And Carmen Small, you know, has the results to back it up. So you know she had a, I think I think she had a legitimate. Um, legitimate case to to bring against USA Cycling yeah, for that. And, and, and it's it's difficult because um, you know I don't know. So the selection criteria, I'm not really sure. To my understanding, they they pretty much talk about so it's discretionary, right? And it's mostly about the individual riders' kind of accomplishments. And there's some automatic birth kind of things, which is how Megan Garnier is on that team. Uh, she was bronze medalist in the world championships last year, so she's automatically on um, the Rio uh, Worlds, the Rio Worlds, right? The Rio Olympic Road Race Team. Um, no one else automatically qualified for any slot, and on top of that, I think you—it's what a—is it a three-woman road race team and two or or four something like that? But um, in the time trial, you have to have basically the ones who do the time trial also have to do the road race. And this is kind yep. of what hinges hinges on it. So, um, I, something I don't quite get is I think the selection criteria criteria are really focused on selecting individual riders and not so much about the team in this mm-hmm. case. But I think the team argument, uh, and that's probably why there's kind of not much grounds really because it is discretionary. And this is why Carmen Small probably ultimately lost her arbitration cases she can't say well like well obviously i did this and this is better and you know probably they were like well you know it is discretionary and they have think they have reasons to prefer Kristen armstrong but the point is from a team perspective um if you consider the fact that uh garnier is a legit uh possibility to win this race get an olympic gold medal or some kind of olympic medal anyway some color uh for the u.s then if you you want her to have the best possible team in that road race and there's mm-hmm. a pretty good argument to be made that the, a better team uh that, that carmen small would be a better teammate on the road than Kristen armstrong essentially so i mean is that fair is that how it should be determined uh i don't think that's under in the criteria but i don't know that's kind of the grumblings i've heard about this. I mean, I think, I think that makes sense, but I, I think, you know, ultimately, ultimately part of the issue is, like, there are selection criteria published so that people know, you know, how to make the Olympic team, but that whole discretionary element is a, is a huge part of it, and so even though they're published, and even though, like, the arbitrator found that the decision was made consistent with the published guidelines, it still feels like uh, a backroom decision and not, like, something that happened, like, you know, you win the Olympic trials, you go to the Olympics. Right, because there are other 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 sports that have that. Like you go compete at the Olympic trials, and if you win or whatever, then you go. Yeah, I mean that's not a perfect. That's not like a perfect solution. So, so uh, my sweetest gymnastics fan, right? Um, also a figure skating fan, and in both of those, certainly in gymnastics, right? If you if you win, at least on the women's side, I don't really, I don't know anything about these sports. So, so stay with me here. But if you if you win these events, uh, then you're an automatic berth. Like you, you, you're going, but you know it's a team of five, and every other pick is still discretionary. And placing higher is still better for your chances. 
but they're allowed to consider other things. So, so I, I don't know, like, I, I wonder, because there's been talk about maybe USA Cycling will do Olympic trials again in the future. But is that going to be like, well, okay, however many slots are left after our other automatic selection criteria, if we retain them, you know, is it going to be like, well, we've got five slots and we've got two people who qualified automatically and therefore the podium, you know, of our Olympic trials road race goes like, is that how it works? I don't know. I I don't know. It's because it's like, I I can see why they went away from that model because, you know, you can have a bad day on one race and, and, you know, you can, uh, you know, the, the person who really should have gone to the Olympics can, you know, have a mechanical or something and not make it onto the podium. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I understand why it's like, it's, it's left up to, you know, looking at uh, an accumulation of results. And also you have that discretionary aspect to it because they want to uh, have the ability to pick the best rider that they think is going to win the United States a medal and being forced to abide by a podium in a trial doesn't necessarily in cycling give you that best person. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. I'm here to make points. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing your job. So I don't know if anyone has any, I, I don't know that there's much else that I have to say about that. Uh, do you guys have any final final words on that? I well, hope Bane Garnier crushes it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, man. So oh. I just want to say, like, in general, you know, the United States is going into the Olympics and cycling with, like, a bunch of legit metal hopes. You know, obviously, we've mentioned, like, the women's road and time trial team. We've mentioned the women's track team. And on the, the men's side of the track team, like, you know, Bobby Lee has been tipped for uh, as a, a metal contender for the Omnium on the track. Now, so that's Carly, also very but exciting. Though, from what I've heard, from what I've heard, if, if, at least if there was a, if there was a five-mile scratch race at the Olympics, then really USA Cycling should be considering you, Matteo. Because, <laughs> because you have now beat Bobby Lee in a five-mile scratch race. This is true. This, this happened a couple <laughs> nights ago. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm really happy because, like, you know, I don't usually get my name on the result sheet that close to people like Bobby Lee and Zach Kowalczyk. <laughs> Let but... alone above them. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh... so that's, you know, that's a that's a bit of a career highlight for me in terms of racing. But it was also like, it was a it was like a, a tactical victory. You know, I mean, I, I had to have the legs to pull it off. But, like, it was sort of about, like, you know, some timing and instinct and a lot of hesitation on a lot of other people's parts. And, like, it was cool, but it, it you know, uh, what am I don't trying like, to say don't here? Don't, like, but, it's but, not, but yourself it's, through a tactical it's, victory. It's, that counts. It's not, it's not like it felt like a fluke. It just felt like a lot of other people could have also did that. Like, I just kind of, I, I, I did, I got lucky. I got lucky with that one. Um, and it's right, going to be really special That's for me for for as long as I love bike racing. Congrats. Congratulations. That was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, first first Shut night up. first night racing at T Town in yeah, your new yeah. your new city of Philadelphia. Yeah. So like yeah, the Friday night like pro races I just kinda rolled off and attacked with like two and a half laps to go and everyone was, was looking at Bobby and Zach, the studs, and I just kinda stuck this move. <laughs> it's pretty pretty cool. Did not expect it. So yeah, but we but but I mean, you know, like Obviously, if you were to do a bunch more races against uh, Bobby Lee, uh, it would all revert to the mean. Um, but <laughs> but <laughs> because uh, Bobby, weirdly enough, after a bizarre year, is going to the Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> and like I, it's a little bit of a strange situation, like logistically and in terms of you know how exactly he was appointed to the Olympic team after not being on the long list because because of his sanction for mm-hmm. uh, a specified substance. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's good, I think, but it's also strange. And it, I just think, like, you know, in situations when, when people are, like, looking... I don't know. USA Cycling, I think, still has, like, a trust issue with its membership. And I think that's like 
that's like part of the whole like sort of discretionary pick thing. Like it does make sense. Like Francis, you were talking about like you know it, it does make sense to to have discretionary picks, but like you know the constituents, so to speak, are only going to be happy with it if like they trust the the pickers. Yep, that's true. You can't have flawed or biased pickers. But it's also like it's not a democracy. I mean, it's a membership organization, and we pay dues, and like we like vote on the internet sometimes, but. Yeah. But it's not like a a cooperative. It's still like an organization that we like opt into without as much governance as as we maybe like think that we have or think that we should have. And I, I'm personally like kind of okay with that. Well, and you know, and, and when we, even though there are USA cycling elections where certain officers get elected and all that, and we pay our dues or whatever. You know, it's not like we all get a vote on the Olympic team, and nor should we all get a vote on the Olympic, on, you know, what the Olympic team composition is. Like, that would be insane. Yeah, that would you know, that be a travesty. <laughs> that would so... be the most hilarious straw poll in the world. <laughs> <laughs> be like, ladies and gentlemen, your USA Olympic team picked by a bunch of internet keyboard bike warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like one of the write-ins is Garfield. <laughs> and Bodie McBoatface. Oh, yep. yeah. <laughs> Bikey McBikeface. <laughs> but be careful, ladies. You don't want to get bikeface. Uh, yeah. Um, I, the thing, I, boy, I, I'm so conflicted on Bobby Lee. Um, for what it's worth, which isn't much, like, I really truly like I, I i do believe that he just did something really dumb that didn't actually give him an advantage but it's like that's not the point at the same time like and that's fine like in their infinite wisdom um the committee what, what or the anti-doping commission or whatever uh said all right reduced to ban um, and that's their Which, discretion. Like, that, that, yeah, that, that, that made a ton of sense to me. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, they have these. It's just that, like, that no, nobody went on the record of saying, like, okay, here's here's how he was able to be appointed to the Olympic team. And, like, it's well, good. You know, like, I was, I was rooting for him, you know, like. Well, he went to arbitration, just, I think, actually, because. Yeah, to, to reduce the ban. Well, not to, well, to reduce the ban, but also because they said, we're not going to select you for the team. And he said, well, that's not in your selection criteria. There's no. There's no basis for excluding someone who had like this this ban, you know, especially with a shortened band and a shortened band. And they were like, "Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, USA Cycling, like, you have to consider a guy like that." And and they did, and he's on the team. You know what I mean? Like that's like yeah. that. There was a, there was another arbitration. That makes, well, that, that I mean that makes sense. I mean, I guess I just like I guess I don't even know if like the arbitrators' decisions are like public or semi-public or something. It just we we hear the decision. I don't know that there's. Yeah. We always get the reason decision published, but. Anyway, I'm excited for Rio, even though everyone's gonna get sick from like the toxic sludge and from the like bad infrastructure. I'm just like rooting for all these Americans to bring home a whole crap ton of medals. That's the long and short of it. To friends. think we could have had these, we could have had the Olympics in Boston eight years from now. What could have been? Could have oh, been. What could have been? Do you two think that some of the like criticism about like the impending disaster of the Rio de Janeiro Olympics is like people on their sort of like northern parts of the globe high horse about like oh those those other countries just like can't get their shit together. Uh yeah. Uh yeah. I mean there's a whole mix of things. Uh I mean like granted like every Olympics is a shit show because the Olympics are corrupt as hell. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, boy. Uh... I don't have, like, incredibly carefully thought out views on the Olympics and what I think about them. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is the Honest Bicycle Program. <laughs> Shoot from the hip. Well, I mean, right. So, oh, boy. To get to get into this, like, uh, yeah, I think, well, I also feel like there's people who are basically uh, rooting for them to fail. Um, they're like, oh my god, look, we're, we were totally proven right by, like, what a disaster it is in Rio. And people are like, see, I told you, the state of Rio de Janeiro is, you know, in impending financial collapse. And Which, by the way, has nothing to do with the Olympics. They're just having, they're, they're in a, a, a bad economic situation for completely unrelated reasons. But, you know, people for their opportunistic reasons are jumping on that. And I don't think that the IOC is, like, some great... Uh, uh, 
organization, and I don't really think I I am very skeptical of the sort of like NBC Bob Costas boy don't the Olympics bring us together and make us feel good about <laughs> humanity kind of story. I, I I have a pretty jaundiced eye toward uh, that kind of like yay United Globe crap because like we seem to really love blowing the crap out of each other uh, and you know have always used the Olympics as you know a political platform and despite what people say uh about it being you know above politics or whatever that's horse shit (laughs) it always will be horse shit and always (laughs) has been horse shit but 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 oh oh, and it's an organizational disaster and they're trying to do they try to do way too many things and it's way too expensive for people to host and that just invites more graft and corruption and make uh graft rather and corruption and makes it uh more appealing for like dictators to um show off how great their country supposedly are but that said <sighs> i've been waiting for you to get to the but, but for like five minutes now that, but, that was an amazing run-on sentence uh sorry but um the olympics are are a pretty incredible international multi-sport competition that is amazing to watch and produces incredible stories and gets people really excited and i think that matters yeah um yeah like so i don't know i i have very conflicted feelings about it in in the organization but like you know i think sports are awesome and i am glad to see people you know i I would rather see people make their political points using sports however stupid it is rather than with like you know guns and fighter planes um and maybe that's not a very profound thought, uh, but you know, that's that's my thought. Phew. Yep. Make your political points with sports and drugs <laughs> together. <laughs> but but you know, make sure that you keep the uh, make sure you keep your drug glory hole secret, uh, or you might not be able to make your political points <laughs> when drugs. Yes. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's yes. I love how our um, our narratives are already baked in for this Olympics, and it's like, also, Brian, it's like it's the A's again. It's like Russia's the bad guys again. <laughs> Russia's like, what? We have not done anything. There are no drugs anywhere, and people are like, you're holding a bag of drugs, and they're like, this is a bag of sandwiches. It's like, no, this is. It's like I can see. It's like in in your other hand, you have a bottle of contaminated urine, <laughs> like. <laughs> They're like, this is lemonade. It is not urine. I am drinking it now. See, watch me. <laughs> Delicious. Like, no, no, Russia, no. <laughs> uh, man, the Olympics. What a what a mess. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yay. Luckily, cycling has cleaned up its act, and uh, everything's going to be fine. And uh, there are going to be no bald guys getting popped for drugs at the Olympics. Uh, it's going to be fine. Gonna be totally fine. <laughs> the Olympics are gonna be fine. There's gonna be <laughs> rainbows just bursting out of every building in Rio. It's gonna be awesome. Wow. Yes, rainbows. There's gonna be like doves flying out of that big Jesus statue. Trumpets um, blaring triumphantly. Doo, 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 doo. Yes. Uh, exactly. There will be there will be free painkillers for all citizens. Oh wait, no, that's maybe not so good. Uh, <laughs> raining <laughs> from the skies. Uh, and on that, that, okay, actually, the opioid, the opioid drug crisis is not funny. Um, on that note, maybe we should end before I say anything else terrible. Uh, unless you guys have, uh, further points to make. Do you have further points to make? Unless, before I say anything else terrible, either. You know, you've been, you've been, you've been pretty good tonight, Francis. <laughs> I, I snuck in the mayonnaise condom. In the, uh, yes, that's true. You did. The, early, the early minutes of the recording. You've <laughs> been on your best Back behavior. <laughs> I've been on a behavior. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, this has been the Honest Bicycle Program. I have been Greg. I have been and still am Francis. I hope to be Matteo. Thank you all for listening. Um, we'll catch you up in the next couple of weeks. It'll probably be uh, something from the vault um, because we're busy and and stuff. And 
So it, it yeah, might I've seem got a, a little... new mayonnaise co- company to run. Yeah, very, very busy. So there might be something from the vault, something we recorded before we decided to do these Tour de France shows at the last minute. Uh, so We're just can... going to remix something. It's going to be the same episode, but there's going to be... <laughs> Your kid, don't... In the background. <laughs> it was supposed to be a surprise, Matteo. Uh, yeah, if it's a little out of date, don't worry about it. It's cool. It's still going to be a, a wonderful conversation, as these things often are. Uh, and we'll uh, catch you with a brand new, shiny, topical, and current episode probably in a month or so. But, but uh, yeah, stay with us. Uh, we love you all. And good night. So long. Farewell. <laughs>